0: The untold grief of a mother losing an unborn child, topped with losing a career she once loved too. This mum shares her inspirational story of bouncing back from a mother's untold loss and discusses processing unmeasurable grief. Discover the support and advice Jo now shares as part of her mission to help women thrive after the different types of loss we can experience in life. Join me as I talk to Joe Tocker. Welcome to the Empower podcast for Mums in Business. We are women building a business we love while making a home for the ones we love more than anything. I'm your host, Nicola Hewlin. Join me as I talk to seemingly ordinary women just like me and you, as they share their extraordinary stories and inspirational advice to bounce back even stronger from challenging times and thrive in business, motherhood, and life. So I'm delighted to welcome to today's interview Joe Tocker. Hi Joe. Hi Nick, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very excited to be talking with you today and share what I know will be. A very inspirational story for our audience today. Let me hand straight over to you. As you know, we're exploring people's stories of how they have been faced challenges, been through tough times, periods of adversity, and how they've been able to bounce back to help inspire our audience. Let's face it, uh, as we're recording this, we're, it's during the COVID outbreak time there's lots going on in the world and um, lots of people are experiencing challenges and tough times in all ways, shapes and forms right now. Um, and I have no doubt your your story is going to be such a gift to our listeners. So over to you. What is your bounce back story, Jo? Great.
1: Well I'm really excited to be able to share this um, because I, I know that it will help a lot of people through some really tough times. So I was really I was working I had a great job in the city of London, and I was um, really enjoying it. I worked in the marketing department for business Development in a financial company um, It was really great we had it was in the nineties so we had uh, quite a lot of perks and it was a good great job and we'd go out and there'd always be drinks after work to celebrate some achievement or um and then I travel as well, and I had, lot, you know, there was lots of travel that was, I was going to different places, and um, I really loved it. And then one day I unexpectedly fell pregnant. Um, although I was with my partner, who is now my husband, uh, we weren't really planning, and it was quite early on in the relationship. You know, we'd only just sort of started to date seriously beyond the sort of relationship spectrum. And um, so it was a bit of a shock. So we, we talked about it and decided that, yes, we were ready for a, for a baby and that we'd continue with the pregnancy. So that was exciting. And I went back to work and, you know, got a, went to the 12-week scan and everything was fine and I announced it to work. And I had an interesting um, situation with, one, with the head of the business development who is a woman who called me into her office and she was quite stern and I thought, Oh gosh, you know, immediately (laughs) you wonder what, what have I done wrong? And she called me into the office and she sat me down. It was all very serious. Now, Joe, she said, congratulations on your pregnancy. And I went, thank you very much. And she said, have you got a good consultant? And I was thinking, what's all this about? This sounds odd. And I said, yes. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I've met my consultant once, but um, we don't see them all the time. It awesome wasn't private. I was under NHS, and I said she's got a very good reputation, so she's at my local hospital. And yeah, pretty sure I have got a good consultant. And she said, "Well, that's good, but that's really good." And then she started crying, and I was really—I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't understand why she was crying. And then she told me that she'd had a lot of um, repetitive miscarriages and eventually she has she had one child and then she couldn't have another one so it was obviously a lot of stuff going on there for her so she was very invested in wanting everybody else to have a good pregnancy and so i thought oh that that's interesting went back to work and then four weeks later i went to my 20 week scan which was actually postponed because it wasn't at the 20 week by the time i got there it was around about 23 weeks and i went in to have my Scan, and I said to my partner, "said Do you want? Shall I come with you?" And he had a really busy day planned. And I said, "You know what? You know we've only just been. We've seen the baby. Everything's fine. Why, you know, don't worry about it. I'll go on my own." So I was happily driving along to my twenty-week scan. I remember exactly the car I was driving. I was in a little red Peugeot two hundred five, and radio was on, and it was in the year that. that song was was a real hit, um, Missing You, do you remember it by um oh, I've forgotten the name of the band now. Um and I just remember that one of the the words, um, everything but the girl, that was it, yeah. Missing mm. you, you know. And that was playing in the car. And it was a song that that always came up, I remember it was a January, it was a winter's day. And I got to the hospital and went in and I was waiting for my uh to be called in, and I went in and I lay down and You know, they put the cold jelly on your belly and you're looking with anticipation at the screen and wanting to hear the heartbeat and heard the heartbeat. And I thought, oh, good, great. Everything's fine. And then suddenly there was a drop in temperature, I would describe it as, in the room. There was um, silence. The screen was turned away from me and the sonographer was looking really intently at the screen. And I said to her, is everything okay? And she said to me, I'm just going to go and get a second opinion. I'll be back soon. Or I'm just going to go and get my colleague to look at this. I'll be back soon. So you can imagine how that felt. And I was just left in this room, which seemed like forever, not knowing, not being able to see the screen, not knowing what was going on. And eventually a colleague came back and then they were talking amongst themselves, completely ignoring me. And they looked over at me and I'm saying, can you please tell me what's happening? And um, then she went out and she said, I'm just going to go and get the consultant come and talk to you. And I thought, well, it can't be good. Can it? They're going to get the consultant. So the consultant came back in and said that there was an, an, an anomaly anomaly with the, um, with the pregnancy, there was unfortunately not enough water in the amniotic sac, and it was going in, and the baby had fluid in the belly, in his belly. And she said he wasn't well. And she said that possibly, he's probably not going to live. And if he did live, that he would be severely, severely, uh, mentally and physically disabled. So that hit me like a ton of bricks. And obviously not having my partner there, I had to try and cope with that on my own. Plus drive home in my little red Peugeot. How I did that, I don't know. How I managed to park it up outside the flat, I don't know. Um, but I did. And um, when I got home, I couldn't call him before that because I knew I would just fall apart. I just It's amazing what the body allows you to do when you absolutely have to, when you're in that sense of, fight or flight, I guess the adrenaline just switches on. And I got home and I called him and I said, Everything's not okay. Can you come home? And he did. And then we had to go back into the hospital the next day together to see the consultant again to so that she could fully explain to to us both. And what she said was pretty much the same. We had two options. We could either let things take its course naturally or we could elect for a termination that's a huge decision for somebody have to make. And I know a lot of women have to make that decision. It's a really tough one. So we, we went back and we talked about it and my feeling was quite strong that we would just see what happened, see where this took us and then go with, with what, what we were presented with. And we went back, we had the weekend and we went back on the Monday and on the um, way back in, I felt this kind of heavy feeling in my tummy, like a real stretching pain. And I just thought, oh, that can't be good. So we went back, had a scan, and we're told that the baby had died. So in a way, it was fortuitous that we didn't have to make that decision. That decision was taken out of our hands. And that actually, was actually a relief, not to have to make that. Um, and then we were scheduled in the next week for uh, a termination of labour. So you go through that. It's one of the hardest things you'll anybody would ever have to do is to give birth to a baby who you know is is dead within you. And um, and I know that it's not the I'm not the only one who's had to have that. There's a lot of women out there too. So my healing process began, and I took a couple of weeks off, maybe three at the most. Um, went back into work. And I wasn't the same person, I felt so vulnerable, I felt so different, I felt as if I'd been through the ringer and I'd come out someone completely new. And I couldn't cope, I couldn't cope with being back at work, I'd lost my my nerve, I'd lost my vitality, I'd lost my drive, I was very driven before. Um, And none of that seemed to matter anymore. But the thing that hurt me the most and upset me the most, I think, was the support that I didn't get from the head of the department. She just came over to my desk and said, "Hello, Joe, how are you?" in front of my colleagues. I said, "Oh, I'm struggling a little bit." Well, she said, "You'll just have to make the best of it and get on. Oh, life goes on, you know." And off she stomped. and it was like a knife in my, you know, in my belly. Uh, it was really difficult to deal with. I spent most of those first few days going to the loo and just crying. I was a complete mess. Um, The company offered, the HR department, thankfully, was a lot more um, empathetic, sympathetic, understanding. And they sent me to have some CBT to try and work this through. And where it was um, quite a good process for me, I mean, it enabled me to sit there and talk about it. Um, I also find it very difficult. And I came away kind of feeling that I didn't really get much from it. And that there was still more, there was a lot more to be achieved in my healing. But the thing that came out of it, the positive thing that came out of all this was that I knew I didn't want to work in corporate anymore. That was a definite no. I had a light bulb moment after going back and just thought, no, this is not for me anymore. I want to do something that's going to help other women, that's going to make a difference in the world and is going to help me as well in the process. So one day I was reading a magazine, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just knew I didn't want to do what I was doing. So I left and I temped for a few months and I ended up being offered a long-term temp position, which I stayed at. And I worked as a PA for a director of a company. Easy peasy, i hardly had any work to do. Got paid well and was able to do a lot of research into what I wanted to do. And then one day I saw this article in the magazine about a woman who had worked in the corporate industry as well and had got disillusioned with it and knew there was more to life. She had an experience that wasn't the same as mine, but it resonated with me. And she went off to train as an aromatherapist at the Tisserand Institute. And when I was reading this, I could feel all the, the hairs were starting to stand up on the back of my neck and my, I felt all tingly inside. And there was a taster weekend and because I thought, well, I don't know if I'd like to do this, but they've got a taster weekend. So I'm going to go along to that and see. And I absolutely loved it. You know, I just thought, yes, this is it. This is what I want to do. So I trained. I did a year's diploma at the Tisserand Institute. And that was my first foray into healing and holistic therapies. I learned about energy. I learned about how it works in your body. I learned about how the um, aromatherapy oils can help you physically, psychologically, energetically. I learned about all the systems in the body or the anatomy and physiology. And I learned so much and I met some amazing people and I absolutely loved it. And that was the start of my healing journey. And three years later, I was ready to get pregnant again with my um, now daughter who's 21. And in between my daughters I had a very early miscarriage at eight weeks um, which was a shock because I didn't think I'd have to go through the process of having two baby losses but again when you look back in hindsight you can sort of see you know I was lucky enough that I went on and had another daughter and my youngest daughter and I just can't imagine my life without her in it now so you know it I found my philosophical head and realized that you know these things in my belief, happened for a reason. And although that's very, very difficult to find at the time, it's only after a lot of years and a lot of soul searching, and a lot of personal development, can you often get to those um, those light bulb moments or those aha moments. And another one of those that I had was when I worked, uh, decided to work, you know, and I did a lot of extra different training in holistic therapies and wellbeing coaching, and working as an energy alignment method mentor, I realized that I was now in the place that I could help other women through their miscarriage. And that's when I firstly decided to write the book and, um, and then work. Which is of,
0: of just give, give our audience the title of your book.
1: Yeah. It's called life after miscarriage, your guide to healing from pregnancy loss. Um, There are, I've noticed it's available on Amazon, but there are quite a few other, Title is called Life After Miscarriage, but mine is a nice pinky, purpley colour. that stands out, and um, it's called Your Guide to Healing and Pregnancy Loss underneath.
0: Thank you. What, what an incredibly moving story! And thank you so much for sharing with, with me and with the audience. And I think your story is so powerful. And whilst not everybody will have been through the same tragic, you know, I can't begin to imagine that sense of loss through losing a baby. But we are talking about an loss and, and I see behind you, obviously this will be an audio recording, but you and I can see each other on the video and behind you, you have your light after loss uh, banner up there. And I was looking at that as you were telling your story and I was thinking, I bet every single person tuning into this has experienced loss of some type, some, you know, losing and that process of grieving something that, that we lost, that we love so dearly can come in lots of different shapes and sizes and human form and career form and, you know, um, lifestyle loss comes in so many different shapes and sizes. What, what are your thoughts on on that in terms of how how we as women can experience loss in life?
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, loss. People mainly think of loss as um, something around baby loss or loss of <laughs> loved ones, but of course, we have loss in our everyday life. And you know, this is a, a, a circumstance we're in right now with COVID that we we've got a, we're having loss. We're having loss in so many different ways, aren't we? With um, loss of our freedom, um, loss of often circumstances. Some people are losing their jobs. Some people's businesses are, are lost, you know, or having to, so we're losing the, our lifestyle as we knew it. And, you know, that's been, that's been tough in a lot of ways for, for people. You know, relationships have been lost. So we're we often grieving over that type of loss as well. You know, pet loss, our beloved pets. That's a huge loss. Um, when our children go off to school, whether that's primary school or nursery or secondary school, or they leave home for uni, it's, a, it's another loss. And as mothers, we grieve. Um, so loss encounters so much and, and often loss of our identity. We, when we have a loss, we tend to lose something of ourselves in there. We lose our identity and we can't understand who we are now at this moment. Because quite often everything that we stood for and everything that we thought we stood for in that moment goes, and you're feeling untethered and you're feeling a bit discombobulated, and then you you know it takes a while to come back to you when you go through that whole grief cycle, mm. to go back to you and to find yourself again, and quite often, when we do that, there's a rebirth, something else will come out of it, and that's what I've found with all the losses i've had I mean I recently. Five months ago, as you know, Nick, lost my mother. And that just threw me completely. I knew she was going to go at some point, you know. And I can look back on that. And she lives in New Zealand. And I had literally 24 hours to get to her bedside before she passed. And I made it. But I am so, so grateful. I thank the universe and I thank her every day that she died when she did. Because imagine if she died in the middle of COVID and I couldn't have gone back. And I was stuck here. And that's, you know, so there's always, always a silver lining on everything. Um, although at the time we can't see it, but often, you know, looking back, we have this re-emergence. And I felt I felt myself sort of re-emerge out of, out of the grief, looking at myself in a lot of different ways. And it expands you more and brings more things up for you to look at or to work on or to work through. And you know, there is, I was, you remember that the saying by Maya Angelou, there is um, rainbows after the storm. And so find your rainbows. Where are they? And oh, that's what that's I like so to beautiful.
0: do. I mean, for somebody who has been through the journey, the story you've just shared, and who is also an expert in loss and you do so, so much amazing work supporting others um, who have experienced loss what would you say is most helpful to people when they are you know in it they haven't yet got that benefit of hindsight they haven't yet been able to move through it what's your experience of what most helps people um, when they are in in the, in middle, the middle of yeah. that loss yeah. yeah
1: in the eye of the storm in the right. eye of the storm yeah it's interesting because when you are in the eye of the storm, you're you're often working on autopilot, um, and you're just existing and going through the motions. That's what I felt. So for people who are feeling a little bit robotic and just going through it, I mean, the pain. Obviously, you've got the pain that comes in and the sadness and all that type of thing. But there's always so much that you have to get done, especially if there's the death of a loved one. There's the practical things that you have to do, and that takes its toll, so the one thing I would tell people to to do is take rests when you need it, sleep even if you because you come over feeling really exhausted at certain times don't push through, listen to your body, go with what your body wants, and if you want to go you know let the emotions out when they come up, let them out um, don't feel you have to do anything that you don't want to do and be guided. Just be guided by what your body's telling you and how you're feeling. And that, yeah, really, the worst thing to do is to push through because that does often send you back. Because quite often we think, oh, I should be getting through this by now. I should be doing X. I should be doing Y. There's plenty of time, you know. The world still keeps going on, and you will feel that the world is going on and is spinning, and you're being left behind. You'll feel that quite a quite a lot, and it's a lonely place to be. And when you are in that space, just let it be. That's the time when you just go with it. Just go with it. That's all I can say, really. And you will come through at some point, suddenly that cloud lifts and you think, oh, I've got a little bit more energy to do something today. And then you might do that thing and then you'll feel tired again. And then you go, okay, right. I need to go and rest. Um, I need to go and have a nap or whatever it is. Or I need to just sit quietly and read a book or whatever it is. Um, don't expect too much of yourself. I think that would be the one thing. Mm,
0: love that, really important. Do you think there's it from your experience of working with so many people? Is everybody different? Is there like a a typical expected recovery from loss period? Does it is is it variable? Are we all really different? What's your experience of that?
1: Mm, We are all very different and I think a lot of it depends on the experiences that we've had with um, if it's a person or the the past experience that we've had as well how it affects us you know quite often if there's unresolved issues that really makes you with a a loved one who's died that really makes you feel um, take along a lot of time because you're holding on to guilt and blame and shame and all those really low vibrating emotions. But yes, everyone is different. And some people bounce back quicker than others. And that's, again, what I'd like to sort of mention is don't worry if it's taking you longer than you think it ought to. You know, grief is, is, is so strange because it pops up at the times when you're least expecting it. I was just doing something on the computer the other day and I came across something In New Zealand, that I was, I was researching for someone, and I saw the uh, picture of it, and I just all my grief came up just in that moment, just came up, and I thought, oh, it's come from nowhere because I was feeling absolutely fine the moment before. But that's the thing: just go with it, let it come. It's come up for a reason; needs to be released, and let the tears run, and just let it be in the moment. So you just you know, be prepared for that. You just never know when it might come up and when it does, try and go with it. But yes, there's no set time. And there's with the grief cycle, you can pop into one part of it and then you can pop back out again. You can take two steps forward, one step back. You know, you might be going from sort of depression to upward turn and then you might be an upward turn you go back to depression for a little bit and then you go, go forward again. So it's sort of a bit...
0: Yeah, definitely not a straight around. line journey. No,
1: not at all. Not at all,
0: Joe. We're coming towards the end of our, our time together. Thank you for offering that brilliant advice. Um, I'd love, you know, for, for for anybody in our audience who, you know, has perhaps recently or is currently experiencing a sense of loss, in whatever way, shape, or form that might feel relevant to them. I'd love you to. Um, Perhaps leave us with a either a you know a bounce back invitation, perhaps a question for them to reflect on, or an invitation for them to from you to what would their what would the one thing be, piece of advice or a mantra of hope that they can anchor to? What would you leave our audience with in terms of bouncing back from from loss?
1: Okay. Um, so I've got a quote that I've written in um, in my book, in, in a different book, actually. It's Notes to My Younger Self, Volume 3. Um, was a collection of 18 heartwarming stories of hope and wisdom and inspiration written by women around the world as they write notes back to the younger self. Awesome. It is awesome. And I would say one of the things is give yourself love and compassion because we don't do that enough. And... When we're going through something, in fact, we never do it. And so the quote is: most of our greatest learnings come from tough times and experiences. They are there to show us how to grow and to move forward and to learn. And if we're of an open mindset, we can see the world in a different way, which can be incredibly miraculous. But don't wow. forget to send love and compassion to yourself, um, because that I feel quite strongly about that we really don't and it's it's such a something that we should do more
0: totally agree so important beautiful thank you Joe, so much for your time today for sharing your story so openly and for all your words of wisdom today and being so generous with your time thank you
1: Thank you, Nick. It's been an absolute pleasure. I just hope um, when someone hears the story, it might help them through a tough time too.
0: Thank you, Jo. It most certainly will help a lot of people out there. And sadly, we've come to the end of our time together. And um, I just want to say, again, a huge thank you. And thank you to our audience who have joined us today for today's episode. And it just remains for me to say, on behalf of myself and Jo, Thank you, goodbye for now and catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Empower podcast for mums in business. And thanks goes to our podcast series sponsors, Bounce Life, insurance to protect you, your business and your family. To get your free startup and business growth kickstart guide and to find out about our Empower community, go to Empower.global.